This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, I'm super honored. I don't even know if that's the appropriate way to say it, but I'm really honored and excited to welcome Kimberly Dowdell, architect and principal at HOK in Chicago and the 2024 and 100th president-elect of the National American Institute of Architects. Originally from Detroit, Michigan, Kim's a a Chicago-based architect, real estate developer, and educator, and has served as the 2019 and 2020 national president of the National Organization of Minority Architects. You can find her on the web at hok.com, Kimberly Dowdell. That's hok.com, Kimberly Dowdell. Kimberly Thank you so much for being here. Really honored to see you. Honored, to, happy to see you. Honored to be for you to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you too, and glad to be here. Thank you, Kim. Kim, we uh, we start our show off with you know, a quote or a mantra that you have. I'd love to hear yours. I know we've we've heard them, but uh, I'd love to hear. Maybe this it's you, you've got a new one. Well, actually, I happened to go to the inauguration for Mayor Muriel Bowser in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the top of the year. And um, she's the she's a third time mayor. So she's been elected now three times, which is, I think, the first time uh, a woman has achieved that in uh, a major American city. Um, and so that's a, a pretty major milestone. And, and she said a lot of things in her inauguration speech. But one thing that stood out was you win by winning. And I thought that just was so, um, it was just such an interesting way to start the year, you know, thinking about, um, you know, how we're always in pursuit of something, particularly you know, I, I'm marketing principal for a Chicago studio at HOK. And, um, you know, sometimes when, when the ball starts rolling and you're winning and it seems like you win more. Um, and so, and I think about how I would like to kind of gain some wins for the profession of architecture in general. And so just really highlighting you know, the things that we're doing that are really contributing to society, helping society win, um, and just kind of creating this uh, this virtuous cycle of winning is, I think, going to be my theme for the year. So let's all win by winning. You shared a bit how you came about that mantra quote, you win by winning. If you look at it at a deep level, just personally, how does it how does it resonated in your life? If you really look back to, because obviously it must be what you feel and it just happened to articulate really how you feel. Can you share with your audience today what winning you win by winning really means to you personally? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just uh, thinking about or being intentional about what you want to achieve and, you know, being um, yeah, I think part of it is, is uh, that, 
setting those intentions, but then also being, you know, blessed with opportunities and resources and people to support you. And, and that's something that I've, I've really um, been fortunate to have throughout my life. Um, certainly there have been challenges, but uh, for the most part, I've been able to overcome them through, um, you know, just the relationships that I have with family, friends, uh, mentors, advisors, et cetera. And so I think about, you know, being uh, a young kid in, in Detroit and, and winning a scholarship to go to, uh, to boarding school. And then, you know, from there, um, you know, being supported to, to, uh, to attend college and, um, you know, graduate school, you know, did scholarship support, uh, and, and learning how to hone my story so that I can actually articulate what I'd like to do with that support. And that has allowed me to win, um, you know, certain opportunities that, that have gotten me to the point where I am today. And so I think about, you know, having, you know, earned certain wins as, uh, NOMA president in 2019 and 2020, you know, nearly tripling our, our membership is, is one example of a win and creating really instrumental new programs to support the diversification of the, the profession of architecture. And I think that really sort of garnered the attention of certain, uh, leaders within the American Institute of Architects and, so I was encouraged to run for a president last year. And as we know, I uh, was successful in that. And so, so it, it's sort of like, the, thank you so much. I'm super excited. Um, and so that, that's just, uh, sort of the, the kind of thing that, that comes to mind as it relates to win by winning, sort of taking one win and building upon that to, to kind of create, um, you know, sort of a, um, an overarching story of what you want to achieve. I think for me, it's been really about achieving my mission, which is to improve the quality of people's lives by design. And so that's been the story since I was an 11 year old kid deciding to, to pursue architecture. And I've told that story in various iterations throughout my career. And I think that's resulted in a lot of the, the wins that I've um, experienced thus far, but not just about me winning. It's about helping us all to, to win together. Uh, and so that's, sort of what I what I took away from that um, that quote that I heard from Mayor Bowser. The diversification of the profession of architecture. Can you share with you, your audience what that means to you and kind of how you how you see it in the future, immediate and in and, and, and the long term? Yeah, well I'll start with a, a few stats. So there are about 121,000 licensed architects in the United States right now. Um, there are actually more attorneys in the state of California alone. So we're, we're a small, but, <laughs> but mighty profession, uh, architecture is, but, um, you know, there are not that many of us, relatively speaking. And of that number, under 2,500 are African American. So that's, uh, you know, just around 2%. And of that number, um, just under 600 are black women. So that's not even a percent. Um, and so with those kind of numbers, uh, it's important that we, sort of take stock in terms of, you know, who, who is empowered to author the future of the built environment and the built environment impacts everyone, no matter, you know, where they live, their race, their gender, their economic background. And I personally think it's really important that architects who uh, really are empowered to enhance the human experience are empowered to do that for all humans. And I think it's important that architects represent the full spectrum of humanity in doing that important work. And so that's one of the reasons why it's important to have a more diverse and inclusive profession. Um, and there's a, there's a saying, um, that, uh, diversity is about counting the people and inclusion is about making the people count. And I, I think it's really interesting to, to think about 
how, um, you know, yes, you can sort of track the numbers, uh, and, and hopefully get toward, um, you know, greater representation within architecture. So I think, um, most people know there about 14% of the U.S. population is African American, but again, only about 2% are architects. So if we can get a little bit closer to the 14%, I think that's, you know, kind of what the, what the goal is. And I, I know it'll take a long time because for the last 50 years, we've been counting these numbers and it's always sort of hovered around 2%. So we're trying to figure out what, what can we do to attract more talent in general to the profession, but also attract more diverse talent. And so, uh, that's where the inclusion part, uh, comes in. Again, not just counting the people, but making sure they feel they, they can really contribute and, and grow in the profession and can, and, um, and find ways to, to be fulfilled, um, as architects who are shaping the future of their, their community. That word you just used, fulfilled. I don't think it's used enough. Yes. What does that level of fulfillment, being fulfilled, mean to you? I mean, for me, fulfillment is about, you know, waking up every day and feeling like I'm doing work that that means something to me, work that is having an impact, work that is helping other people and, um, you know, also enabling me to, to take care of, you know, myself and my family. And, um, you know, so, so I think it's a balance of both, um, you know, your own personal fulfillment in terms of, you know, what you're able to, to, to do on a personal level, but also on the larger scale of what you're, you know, able to contribute to your organization or your school or your company, your community, your city, uh, your state, your, your nation, depending on, you know, what level you're working at. Um, I'm someone who's worked in a lot of different, uh, realms. And so I've worked in federal government, I've worked in city government. Uh, I've worked in academia. I now work for a very large architecture firm. Um, and, you know, I've had other experiences in entrepreneurship, et cetera. And I think, you know, sort of the common thread is really trying to achieve that mission that I mentioned earlier, which is to improve the quality of people's lives by design. So for me, fulfillment is feeling like I'm getting closer to helping people, um, you know, improve their lives. And one thing that actually, uh, I find to be somewhat troubling is, is that, uh, in one city, depending on your zip code, there could be a pretty significant life expectancy gap. And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And to be more specific, uh, in the city of Chicago, uh, there are certain zip codes on the north side of the city, which is predominantly white, um, where life expectancy is around 90 years. Uh, but on the south side of Chicago, uh, there are zip codes that uh, are linked to life expectancies around 60 years of age. So we're talking about a 30-year difference uh, from a white neighborhood on the north side to a black neighborhood on the south side. And I, I think those are the kinds of things that, as a society, we need to be talking about. Um, that's one of the more drastic disparities within a city, but there's certainly those gaps all around the country. And so I'd like to, you know, really think about how architects can get more engaged in, in civic problem solving and, you know, finding, um, you know, helping our civic leaders uh, find the solutions to some of those really, uh, you know, really major issues that, that we're seeing. And so that's, that's one, one thing that I think would be fulfilling to actually move the needle on um, health outcomes and, and life expectancy over, over the course of my career. So I know that's a tall order, but I think it's something that's not talked about enough and something that's really important. Now, Kim, you and I have discussed how important, to, I, at least I, I'm going to talk specifically for myself, is I believe 
strongly that an architect ought to at least be in a mayoral position or at least a right-hand person for a mayor and have an actual authority and a real vision and, and, a, and a picture for the built environment and the understanding of the grid and how a city would not just thrive, but prosper and uh, grow. So the statistic that you're mentioning of that, that life just difference it's just, that's a, that's a canyon that's not just a little that's an, an enormous ca- that's 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 to almost two generations yeah okay that's two generational differences that people could live and thrive what is your take on this and i'll say it on the air why not because it's just opinion is of you eventually if not inevitably being a mayor of so, a place like the city that you you're in chicago I'm just putting it out there. If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But I, I'm not, th- that's I'm because not given, you're an architect and you are who you I'm are. I've not given any thought to, to that kind of <laughs> okay. uh, position. However, I will say that I think it's important that mayors, um, you know, are are thinking uh, about the built environment. And it, obviously, it's a big part of their, their job to, um, you know, to protect the city and to make sure it's safe and, you know, make sure new development is in alignment with the goals, et cetera. And, and so I think that if the mayor, uh, himself or herself or themselves, if they don't have a design background, um, I think it's important that they, uh, call upon resources, uh, hopefully in, you know, their senior level cabinet to, to, um, to help advise on, on issues around, uh, the city, the built environment, and, and even some policy issues that may not seem directly tied to the built environment. Um, and so actually I had an opportunity to speak up at the U.S. Conference of Mayors last month, mm-hmm. and I had a couple of minutes to just give some remarks. And two things that, um, that I would highlight here, uh, one is architects can see the future and can help mayors design a better one. And so I think it's important to, to, to really you know, acknowledge this somewhat unique skill set that architects have that that is cultivated in school. And a lot of people also don't know that it takes on average about 12 years to become a licensed architect. So we're highly trained individuals with the sort of innate ability to see the future. And so I think that that needs to be tapped into a lot more. Um, and then the, the other thing that I um, sort of put out there as a, as a challenge to the mayors who don't already have this is to create a chief architect role. So that that person can help them, you know, leverage the power of design thinking to solve some of these really, you know, troublesome uh, challenges that that we face in cities all across the country. That in, innate. Oh, you know what? We're going to go to a uh, a break here, and we'll reintroduce you as well. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast, presented by Circlad. We're talking today with Kimberly Dowdell architect and principal at HOK in Chicago and the 2024 president-elect of the American Institute of Architects. For more information, feel free to visit the website of HOK.com. Again, that's HOK.com. Kim, that innate ability to see the future and being uniquely trained and disciplined and uniquely trained, is it possible to have that chief design officer or CDO? I'm just came up with that chief architect in almost cool, every city but um chief design officer we could work with that I, I, okay. I think it's possible in fact um i had a chance to speak uh very briefly with the mayor of charleston south carolina and he said uh we have a chief uh, architect and i don't know what we would do if we didn't have a chief architect and so i think um that's that's a pretty good uh endorsement for it for the concept and you know i think charleston has been kind of leading uh you know leading in that area for a while so 
good city to study. Why would you think that the, the city would be? I mean, obviously it's historic and uh, uh, I'm just curious, why, why do you think in particular that the city would be a little more receptive or feel like, well, why, how would we be without one? Well, I think it comes down to, to leadership understanding the, the power of design and the value of engaging designers and, and architects and, and that level of decision making. And so, um, as I understand it, uh, Charleston has had a long history of um, engaging architects in, in that way. And so I think it's just become a part of what uh, what's expected. Uh, and I, I would have to look, look it up to see, you know, when that was first um, introduced. But I do know that there's um, you know, a former mayor of Charleston, South Carolina, that um, helped to create what's now known as the Mayor's Institute on City Design um, to actually expose mayors to the power of design. And I had an opportunity to serve as a resource member um, for the Mayor's Institute uh, this past year. And so I got to meet some really great mayors and, and talk about, um, you know, just what design can do when you when you leverage it to to help solve problems. So um so I think the work that, that they're doing at the Mayor's Institute to spread knowledge is is really important. But I think the next step, uh which is something I'd love to to see the the AIA um help support more is uh really getting um architects plugged into city government, uh state government, federal government. You know, I, I know I mentioned not having an interest in, in running for anything, and that remains true <laughs> since the last few minutes that we talked about it. But I do encourage uh, other architects who, um, you know, have a real interest in, in public service to, to do that and to bring that level of, of thinking uh, to to our, um, you know, various levels of government. The uh, What have you... Uh... With HOK, any, if you're at liberty to share what some of your uh, recent happenings and doings with HOK are, please, please share. You don't have to name names or anything, but uh, I'd love to hear. Yeah, sure. Well, we're really excited. We're actually uh, on the front page of the Chicago Tribune uh, earlier today um, when uh, there's an opening of uh, the expansion of Terminal 5 at Chicago O'Hare Airport. So we're uh, super excited about that. And you know, to celebrate that win and looking for more wins because you, you win by winning, right? Sure. Um, and then, you know, actually last week I flew into LaGuardia uh, Terminal B, which HOK uh, also uh, designed. And so it was just great to, to kind of see, um, you know, the wonderful aviation um, design work that, that, you know, that we've been delivering. So it's, a, it's great to kind of fly around the country and and see the work of the people that, you know, I, I kind of, um, you know, pass in the, in the cafe or, um, you know, walk past in the office and to know that they're working on these great things that, um, you know, not just are great for our office is, is, you know, exciting things to work on, but that the public gets to experience and to elevate the travel experience. Uh, for example, Terminal 5 at O'Hare, I mean, that's sort of a gateway into Chicago. It's, it's, uh, the international terminal. So it's wonderful to now, um, elevate the experience of people coming into the city and, and being welcomed by this really great, uh, piece of architecture. So excited about that. Um, and just continuing to help, uh, find new work for our Chicago studio. And, uh, also on the, uh, from a firm wide perspective, I'm on the diversity advisory council. So working with my, uh, two other co-chairs, um, to make sure that we're fostering a sense of belonging in the firm. And uh, one thing we're excited about is we've launched a firm-wide mentoring program. Well, actually, we've had a firm-wide mentoring program for years, but we actually just um, 
invested in a technology platform that allows us to better match uh, our 1600 plus employees with one another for mentoring um, support. So, so we're excited about, you know, unrolling that and, um, and just uh, making sure that we keep winning. <laughs> That's really the theme here. Can that winning become habit forming? That's kind of a bigger, big question, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Can it be habit forming? Yes. You can form a habit of winning, I think. I think it's a thing. <sighs> and we'll go to the youth, the youth in architecture and that exposure to architecture. Can you share with either some of your direct experience, even your thoughts in the of the future for the youth with architecture and in architecture and design? Well, keeping with the winning theme, I think it's important that um, that young people understand, um, you know, the power that they have to um, to take a look at a, an existing property or maybe even a piece of vacant land and to to envision uh, what that can be, envision what the future is. And you know, some people have that skill that others don't. And you know, if, if they don't, that's that's okay. There are other ways to um, engage with a profession. If someone is really interested in um, cultivating that that talent, um, you know, I'm really excited for young people who uh, want to see an improvement in their community or their city, and then they find architecture as as a you know as a career path. Um, and so I'm excited about the the notion of um, you know budding architects. Uh, pursuing the the profession, you know, learning how to really um, solve problems from a design thinking perspective, and and now actually leveraging um, increasingly you know uh, powerful technology and, and different tools to uh, to not just envision what the future can be, but to create virtual models and help help other people actually see their vision and create um, not just renderings but also fly throughs, you know, like little mini movies to kind of again, help uh, illustrate their vision. And so um, I think the profession is, is really in a great position to help, again, solve some of our most complex problems, but also uh, leverage technology to, um, to help the public gain more access to, to what we're doing. Because I, I think people don't necessarily fully understand what architects do. And I think that the technology that, that you know, we're seeing now, if we leverage it properly, uh, can really help make design and the process of design and the um, the benefit of design more accessible. So I think that's pretty exciting. As president-elect of the AIA, is there a, a formal or, yeah, I guess a formal process that you go through where you work with the existing president that your responsibilities are or your, what your uh, aspirations are? Yeah, so uh, the existing, the current president, Emily Grandstaff Rice, she is, um, she's a force of nature. I'm really excited to work with her. And she's been, yeah, she's been uh, a mentor and, and friend. We check on each other via text. We're like, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, just kind of making sure that, um, you know, that, that we're hanging in. There's a, there are a lot of different demands on our time. We have to, you know, constantly balance and, and prioritize. But, you know, we're, we're in this together, um, along with our, uh, Chief Executive Officer for AIA, Lakeisha Ann Woods. Um, in fact, there was an article that came out recently just highlighting the three of us. Uh, it's the first time three women have been really at the helm of the AIA, which is which is historic and exciting. Um, but uh, Emily and I, we actually had a chance to work together a number of years ago when she was chair of the Equity and the Future of Architecture Committee, uh, which is a board-level committee for the AIA, and I was on that committee. Uh, and one of the things that we're really proud of, and I mean, I'm, I'm proud of her in particular for being the, the chair of this that, um, you know, she was uh, able to work with 
with our group to create the guides for equitable practice, which I think um, will be really important to, again, helping um, guide, uh, you know, our various architecture firms from the smallest uh, in, in scale to the largest in scale to understand what it means to be an equitable practice and providing those tools. So, um, so I can't say, you know, much more than, um, that I'm, I'm excited about the work that she's done and that she's doing. And I'm just happy to, to work with her going forward and, um, learn as much as I can as I lead up to my presidency at the end of the year. Excellent, Kim. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syraclad. Our public service announcement for Kim Dowdell's show today is Ingenuity. Ingenuity increases is increasing arts, education, access, quality, and qual- equality in Chicago public schools. You can find out more information on their website at ingenuity Inc.org. That's ingenuity-inc.org. We're talking today with Kimberly Dowdell, architect and principal at HOK in Chicago and 2024 president-elect of the American Institute of Architects. For more information, you can visit her or you visit HOK at their website of hok.com and Kimberly Dowdell. That's hok.com and Kimberly Dowdell. Kimberly, why does ingenuity mean so much and matter to you? Well, my uh, understanding of what an architect did actually was launched uh, when I was in middle school. I was in a middle school art class uh, when I learned oh. what an architect actually did. And that's when I made the connection um, shortly thereafter that I, instead of being a doctor, which was my original plan, I decided to become an architect when I was 11 because I wanted to uh, repair what I felt was was not working well in my hometown, Detroit. And I felt that if I could help repair the buildings that at that point were, um, you know, boarded up and had broken windows and, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, signs of disinvestment, then um, I could maybe help heal the neighborhood or the city versus, you know, being a doctor and, you know, healing like an individual person. So I kind of looked at it like the system scale, even at that age. So, um, <laughs> but... You know, like that's, yeah, it's just a thing. Like that doesn't every 11 year old do that anyway. So because of that art class and that, that instrumental art teacher, um, I feel very strongly that arts and education is, is important. Uh, even if you don't go in, you know, into a artistic path, um, you know, studies show that having arts education actually improves your academic performance, no matter, you know, what, what you end up pursuing. And, um, unfortunately over, you know, the years, arts funding and education has declined. And so Ingenuity Chicago is really geared toward ensuring that all Chicago public school students have access to high quality arts education. And I think that's so important if we want to really ensure that our cities are preparing their young people for a better future. I think, you know, art is just a really important, um, foundation. So that's, that's what we do at Ingenuity. And, uh, I was elected chair last year. Um, and so I'm especially, uh, you know, motivated to, to make sure people know about ingenuity and just arts in general, no matter what city you're in, it's important to support the arts and support young people having access to the arts. Excellent. I agree. Kim, what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on? I think, I think we touched on a lot, but, um, I would say everyone keep winning. And, um, if you have questions about what it means to win, I think you need to engage with architects because that's, that's what we do. 
Kim, always a pleasure to uh, to see you, to talk with you. You're definitely a, such a beacon of light. And a lot of people talk about, they want to change, well, not a lot, but especially you go back to that 11-year-old, that they want to change the world. You definitely are doing that. And I am so honored and thankful to to know you. Thank you, Tom. It's wonderful to know you too. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you again for being here on our show as well. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Syraclad. Our guest today has been Kimberly Dowdell, architect and principal at HOK in Chicago and the 2024 and 100th president-elect, 100th president-elect of the National the National American Institute of Architects. Originally from Detroit, Michigan, Kim is a Chicago-based architect, real estate developer, and educator, and also served as the 2019-2020 national president of the National Organization of Minority Architects. For more information, feel free to visit hok.com, Kimberly Dowdell. That's hok.com, Kimberly Dowdell. We look forward to hearing from you next time. Thank you. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit cereclad.com.